The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us on the phone is journalist Brandy Morin, author of the brand new memoir, Our Voice of Fire. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining today. Tom, say I'm well. How are you? <laughs> you know, I, 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 I'm processing what we just talked about on the show, which is that monkeypox is officially a pandemic, like technically by definition is a pandemic Mm -hmm. so like i was like so we're in two pandemics so i'm still sort of i'm marinating on that that's just going to go in my brain and then all day i'm going to be thinking about it um so i'm okay (laughs) because it just happened (laughs) just happened um but i'm really excited for this conversation because i think that you know we've in the last um since the 2020 racial reckoning i feel like there's been this weird backlash against teaching american history and teaching history accurately broadly Mm -hmm. um and it's books like yours and and stories like yours that I think provide an opportunity and a space for people to learn new things that they may not have known before. And that is what keeps us going. So tell us a little bit about your story and how this memoir came about. Yes. So um, it's called our voice of fire and um, you know, it chronicles Uh, my childhood growing up in and out of the foster care system, you know, uh, coming from a very dysfunctional uh, family background. At age 12, I ran away from a group home and I was held against my will and raped by two older men. And I went on to, uh, you know, grapple with a lot of the traumas of my childhood, becoming a single mother at a very young age. But then, um, coming into my purpose as a journalist for justice. And, um, you know, I am a survivor of this epidemic that is going on against indigenous women and girls. I'm one of the ones who made it out alive. And so, uh, you know, I wanted to write this book because I recognize now that I'm a journalist with a platform and and, uh, power as a journalist, you know, that it was, a big responsibility for me to use my voice to help, you know, bring awareness, help uh, maybe bring justice towards this crisis. So what do we need to know as people who may not be read in on the crisis? Help us understand what is happening um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, what are the major problems that um, you talk about in your book, but also that we, we should know, because if you're listening to the progress channel, you're, you're, hopefully a progressive person who wants to um, help facilitate justice in the world. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> the crisis of missing and murdered indigenous women and girls started in 1492 across Turtle Island, which is how many indigenous nations refer to, you know, as North America. 
And, um, you know, it's, it, it stems from colonial violence against our people and our women. It's 2022 and our women in Canada specifically, the stats are, uh, our women are targeted for violence and murder uh, at more, more than any other race at 12 times the rate of any uh, other race. And our women um, make up less than 3% of the population. In the United States, the stats are very similar. I believe it's about uh, 10% uh, that Indigenous women and girls are targeted for uh, violence and murder more than any other race. These are, um, you know, colonial borders that were created. Um, and this is a crisis that crosses uh, all of these borders. So, um, you know, I, I wanted to give um, a personal look into the life of a survivor because a lot of times in the media, our women are portrayed as, you know, um, uh, less valued as, you know, just a drunk or a runaway mm. or deserving of this violence. And um, in my work as a journalist, I strive to humanitize our people. I exclusively tell Indigenous stories. And so that's what I'm trying to do to give insight and a window into the look of a survivor and, you know, a, to bring uh, awareness because it is uh, a genocide. It really is. We have the genocide of the residential school system, which m people in the United States would know as the Indian boarding school system. Um, and um, these are all, um, you know, cycles of generational, intergenerational trauma that are ongoing. In terms of the crisis that you mentioned, I mean, there was obviously when, and it's it's ironic um, that it's a year since this happened, but last year, a year ago, it's literally the anniversary, um, when Gabby Petito went missing mm -hmm. um, and was later found murdered, um, there was a conversation. Sorry, there's people jackhammering. I can't control it. I apologize for the <laughs> sound. I'm going to ask this question quickly and turn my mic down. Um but there was a conversation around the fact that when, when a white woman goes missing, there's a whole media apparatus that, you know, kicks into gear yeah. um, to try to find that woman. Um, the, the same thing is not true of all the missing and murdered indigenous women. Can you talk a bit about that discrepancy and why you mm. think your, you know, your role and responsibility as a journalist is to shed light on the fact that this is happening, this is a crisis, and it obviously um, requires immediate action? Absolutely. And I, you know, spoke out um, widely about those discrepancies. And I mean, no woman, um, you know, should be um, experiencing any type of violence or abuse. Um, but I, I did notice right away there was, um, you know, the police and authorities flew into action. You know, um, there she was splattered on the headlines around the world. And, you know, I just knew that it was because she has she had white skin and there is, um, you know, inherently more value given to her. Um, I imagined if our women, you know, were given that same uh, attention, that same value, um, you know, what our world would look like. 
you know, how our women would be given the opportunity to thrive and, um, you know, to have that justice, even though many of us are um, still, you know, um, rising and thriving despite all of this uh, that's going on, this chaos. But, you know, absolutely, it's, it's a problem. And, um, but, it, but it is, you know, it is shifting. Canada had a, a national inquiry into missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Uh, we had a, a, a final report with call, uh, calls to justice that came out. The government here, you know, has been very slow to action in, um, you know, following uh, up with those calls, you know, for justice. But um, I think in regards to the U.S. and to where the U.S. is at with confronting this uh, crisis, we are a little bit further ahead. But, uh, you know, uh, Secretary of the Interior, Deb Haaland, you know, has um, really pushed for a lot of um, action, you know, to be taken uh, there as well. In terms of the action that you think is necessary, I mean, obviously, I mentioned part of it is attention. We need people to, to you, know, you know, the infrastructure, the institutions, the law enforcement, the media, we, we need them to care um, mm -hmm. and to cover it. Um, but in terms of some of the other institutional changes i mean why hasn't there been more accountability why why isn't there justice why is it so hard to get why is it so impossible to get what changes do no. you think need to be made yeah. immediately well the simple way to state this is racism that is the root racism apathy and um you know even when we're speaking about law enforcement. So our policing systems do not investigate, um, you know, uh, they, they, they don't properly investigate these cases. I mean, I've reported, you know, on the Highway of Tears, which is a notorious, uh, you know, stretch of high, highway in Northern British Columbia, Canada, where dozens and dozens of our women have vanished or turned up dead, um, you know, We've had Human Rights uh, Watch um, report how, uh, you know, the, the police, they, they just, they don't provide the resources. Um, and it's even like that in the United States and then in the U.S. with the reservations, there are a lot of uh, jurisdictional, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, different uh, issues and that they're trying to resolve and, and, and cross. But, you know, I just think that even like speaking as a journalist in the media, the way that our women are portrayed, right? That has to be transformed and brought to the forefront. So like I said, we had this national inquiry into missing and murdered indigenous women and girls. That was like three, almost two or three years ago now that the final report came out. And this, you know, was declared a genocide. And there was a study done by a friend of mine who's a, who was a professor at Ryerson University and looked at how much media coverage to this crisis has been given over the past five years, it's less than 2%. Oh my God. We're talking, like we're talking about a genocide. And so, you know, um, we know how much the media influences not only, you know, public per perception, but, you know, uh, government policy and everything around the board, you know? So there's all of these different layers. Um, you know, there are grassroots and people in community, um, you know, that are taking their own action. Um, 
And it starts by conversations at home. We all know this. It starts by conversations. It starts by awareness. But I think specifically say with, you know, something like my book or the stories that I tell as a journalist, when we are authentic and vulnerable, I believe that as human beings that connects us and brings us together, that helps break down so many of these barriers. And if we can be seen as human beings, if we can be seen, you know, as valuable, then I really think that that hopefully will help transform a lot of these narratives. And that was a big goal of writing this book. It makes me so sad when people of color have to say, I want to be seen as a human being. Mm -hmm. I know it makes me, I mean, I know it's true. And I think, you know, as a black person, that's something that you and I connect. That's an issue, you know, we connect on. I I Mm -hmm. agree. But also, I Mm -hmm. shouldn't have to tell people I'm a person. I am a person. You're a person. We should both be Mm -hmm. treated equally like humans. And our dignity yeah. should be respected. That should just be like a default position for humans. Um, I just wish yeah. that was the default position for humans. Um, in terms of um, some of the other aspects of the experience, one of the things that, um, you know, I know um, intimately is sort of this idea that if, you know, a certain community is marginalized, abused, um, you know, and and treated inhumanely for generations that trauma mm. compounds it 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 can um yeah. continue on from one generation to the next can you talk a bit about that um because often as you said you know there's such a limited um representation in the media so yeah. either it's the negative um connotations you talked about or depicted as you said as alcoholics or people who are dealing with substance abuse. Um, But can Mm -hmm. you talk about the generational trauma and then also um, the, the instances of mental health issues and substance abuse that exist in every community when there is generational trauma? Oh, absolutely. I mean, a lot, that's, that's what's missing in a lot of not only the media coverage, but um, you know, the understanding, I mean, the context, right? Um, that's what I try to do is provide mm-hmm. that context context in all of my work. So, I mean, you have to understand that in, in regards to like indigenous peoples specifically, you know, um, there was um, colonial uh, violence, genocide, you know, committed, uh, you know, when European settlers arrived here. And that violence has never stopped you know it started with the hurting up of our people the stealing of their lands um the hurting up of our people and putting them into concentration camps called reservations you know giving them rations uh you know of food controlling when they could and couldn't leave um total segregation and oppression and from there ripping families apart ripping children from their mothers and their fathers and forcing them to attend uh, residential and Indian boarding schools where they were forbidden to speak their language, where they were abused sexually, physically, emotionally, spiritually, totally uh, breaking apart these, you know, family systems that had always been there, throwing them back out into the world and then expecting everything to be okay 
and then the foster care system coming in. Our children are overrepresented in that. Well, what do you expect when you have completely come in and ripped our people apart? How do you expect us, you know, to have landed? Mm -hmm. And so we've been, we've been in this, in this place and that trauma it passes, you know, to the generations. I'm an intergenerational survivor of the residential school system. My cookum, you know, attended my, which means grandmother and Cree. So, um, you know, thank God though, we are starting to, um, you know, be on this healing journey, on this reckoning journey. Um, and, um, you know, starting to reclaim, revitalize and, and uh, come into, you know, our power as who we are as indigenous people. So, so important, all of what you said, um, and I hope people are hearing you. One of the things I also um, wanted to talk about is the fact that, you know, we have a Secretary of the Interior um, in Deb Holland and, and more representation than we've really ever had. I mean, it's not enough. Yeah. Um, and we're talking about America. So the fact that we have the first cabinet secretary who is Native is it's quite mm. sad, actually. Think about it. Um, but but can you talk about why your representation is so important and why we need to see people of indigenous um, backgrounds in all aspects of our society in positions of leadership um, as journalists telling stories so that we can actually fix these problems? Because I don't want to talk about them in five years. I don't yeah. want to talk about them in 10 years. This is we, we, we can't willfully be ignorant to our own history. Mm -hmm. and when it comes to indigenous history, it's embarrassing that, mm -hmm. um, you know, how ignorant we actually are. Well, you know, first off, when it comes to our people, uh, you know, people need to understand that we are sovereign nations, that we were always here on these lands and that we are still here. We are not something of the past that's often depicted in media or Hollywood. And, um, you know, so many of our communities are struggling with crises such as, you know, other epidemics of suicides, of, you know, addiction and the child welfare system. It's so, it's so important for our people, you know, to, um, you know, even our youth to see um, us portrayed in the media, not only bringing these stories to light, these, these truths, these um, injustices, but also um, just shining and and rising in what we're doing and so um you know we have these incredible transformations taking places you know such as reservation dogs you know a hit a tv show that you know stars young indigenous actors one is is far from from not too far from where i'm from we have you know all of these you know rumblings going on because uh i just want to mention too you know my, my uh, book is called Our Voice of Fire, but we are a generation of fire. This generation was prof prophesied about uh, by our ancestors. And uh, it's our time to heal. It's our time to rise, our time to take our place in the world, to help um, bring this world to a better place with the crises that this world is facing. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully unite together. So important. I really enjoyed this conversation. I want everybody to pick up Brandy's memoir, Our Voice of Fire. Um, I, I am so grateful to you for joining us this morning for this conversation. Um, it's so important for us to get educated. Um, it's a memoir of a warrior rising, and I love that. 
um, <laughs> subtitle um, there. Thank you so much for being here to JB Memoir. Congratulations. Writing your first book, um, first memoir, mm. is, is very difficult. It's like having a kid. <laughs> 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 kind of. I, n- I never had one of those, but I feel like it might be similar. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so congratulations. You know Thank you. Hi, Thank hi, Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlinette Check-In for new episodes every weekday.